So I invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. This morning, I continue our sermon series to the Gospel of Mark. Again, reading Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 14. Mark writes, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with hired servants and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Children, I have a question for you this morning. What do you want to be when you grow up? When I was a little boy, I wanted to be a firefighter or an astronaut or a doctor like my father. I never once imagined that I would be a pastor, and I especially never imagined that I would ever wear a robe once a week. Yet this is where the Lord has led me. If you're a college student this morning, one of the questions you probably answer more often than not, along with answering your name, is what's your major? What are you studying? And now, as adults, that question has morphed into, what do you do for a living? As almost as often as we ask someone for their name, we ask, what do you do? If you think about it, it's amazing to see how wrapped up our identities are with our occupations. That is, what we do on a daily basis. And I think the reason for that is because every one of us wants to make a difference. We want our lives to have meaning. We want to fulfill our calling. But when you consider your calling, so often we think of our occupation. We think of our work, what we do. But the truth is, our calling It's not really about what we do. Our calling is about what God has done for us and who we are as his people. God, by his grace, has always called ordinary people to do extraordinary things for his kingdom. God called a nobody named Abraham to become a father Of many nations. God called a stutterer named Moses to lead his people out of slavery and into the promised land. God called a young shepherd boy named David to be the king over his people, Israel. And God called a bunch of fishermen to be the first disciples of Jesus Christ. This morning, what I want us all to see, what is so amazing, is that God, by his grace, 
has now called you and he's called me to join him in his mission to redeem all things through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This morning, we continue our sermon series in the Gospel of Mark, and we are looking at what it means to be called by Jesus. And what I want you to see is that Jesus calls us to join him in his mission to be his disciples. The first way I want you to see this, I want you to see that Jesus calls us to faith. I want you to look with me at verse 14. In verse 14, Mark writes that now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. And so what I want you to see as we get into it, that calling begins with proclamation. It begins with an announcement. Mark tells us that when Jesus came into Galilee, he was proclaiming the gospel of God. Now, if you were with us last week, you saw that Jesus was blessed by his heavenly father. He was baptized. He was led by the spirit to be tempted by the devil. And now he is beginning his ministry. And that ministry begins with proclamation. It begins with an announcement, an announcement of the gospel. The word gospel literally means good news. And so when Jesus began his ministry and calling us to faith, it began with announcing good news. Not a good philosophy, not good advice, not a good set of rules, not a good set of values, but a good news. And what was that news? That the kingdom of God has come. That Jesus Christ came to seek and to save the lost. That Jesus Christ died and rose again, and all who trust in him will be saved. The Gospel of Mark continues and tells us a little bit about how Jesus proclaimed this good news. I want you to look at verse 15. We're told that Jesus said, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. When Jesus calls us to faith, he calls us to repent and believe. And what I want you to know today is that true faith, genuine faith, includes two parts, repentance and belief, turning away from our sin and trusting in the death and resurrection of Jesus for our salvation. Now, for centuries, theologians have wondered which comes first, repentance or belief. Do we have to repent of, from our sins, turn away from our sins in order to believe? Or do we have to first believe in Jesus in order to repent? What I want you to know is that you cannot have one without the other. John Murray put it this way, redemption accomplished and applied, this is what he said. He said it's an unnecessary question to insist that one is prior than the other. There is no priority. Saving faith is permeated with repentance, and repentance is permeated with saving faith. In other words, genuine faith is both repentance and belief all wrapped up in one. And when you overemphasize one without the other, 
you get a false gospel. Let me show you what I mean. Repentance without faith is salvation through works. Repentance without belief is thinking that we are saved because we are good. That if you are good enough, God will judge you and tell you that you are worthy enough to enter into his kingdom in heaven. This morning, if you've grown up around church, you've heard over and over again that we are saved through faith and not by works, and yet you and I every day are tempted to live otherwise, to assume that somehow we have to earn the salvation that God has given us in Jesus When you think that faith is repentance without belief, it adds to the gospel and it makes it something altogether different. This morning, if you have not grown up around the church, or maybe you have grown up around the church and yet you've rejected Jesus Christ as your savior, maybe one of the reasons this morning is because you thought that salvation is for good people. That the Christian message is that if you are good enough, you can go to heaven. And you look around you at Christians, and they're not very good, are they? It's hard to admit, isn't it? But if salvation is about being good, then none of us belong in the kingdom of God, and every one of us is a hypocrite. But that is not what we believe about the gospel We believe that we are saved through faith alone and not by works. But you see, belief without repentance is also a false gospel. If you think that you are saved just by repeating the words of like a magic spell, just giving intellectual assent to making a statement of belief, James reminds us that even the demons believe and they shudder. Genuine faith is trusting in Jesus to such a degree that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we cannot stay the same. Genuine belief and trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus means that we will be changed, that we will be different, that we will repent. And so this morning, when Jesus calls you to faith, he is calling you to repent and believe. Turn from your sin and trust in Jesus Christ. He died and rose again for you so that all who call on his name would be saved. But not only does Jesus call us to faith, the gospel of Mark continues. We see that Jesus calls us to follow him. I want you to look with me at verse 16. Mark writes, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw Simon, whose name was Peter, and Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me. When Jesus calls us, he calls us personally. He calls us by name. Jesus came up to Simon Peter and Andrew, and he knew them. He knew them by name before they ever knew Jesus. And so it is with you and me. 
When Jesus calls you, he's calling you by name. He is calling you personally and with power. Theologians call that effectual calling. We see it in our bulletin at the very beginning, Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, 28 says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Now, that is what I call a coffee mug verse. It sounds really nice, and so we put it on a t-shirt and put it on a mug, but we leave out the rest of the context. Paul doesn't put a period at the end of that sentence. Romans 8, 28 continues, and this is what it says. For those who are called according to his purpose not ours. And then in verse 30, it says, those whom he predestined, he also called. Those who he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, when you hear the word predestination, some of you bristle. And you think it just seems like such a callous and cold doctrine. But what I want you to see is that predestination is the power behind God's mission. That when he calls you by name, he calls you in power. He is coming by the power of the Holy Spirit to change your heart. And when he says, follow me, it comes as a royal summons. In the Greek, the word call is the word kaleo. It's a royal edict a word for a king giving a command with authority. So when Jesus says, follow me, it is a call that is coming in power and in grace, calling you and I not only to believe and to have faith, but to follow him personally in relationship. And we see Peter and Andrew respond in such a radical way. We're told that, verse 18, they immediately left their nets and followed him. Mark uses that favorite word of his immediately, but the thing is, this word is used elsewhere in the Gospels when it talks about the calling of the disciples. Each time we see that when Jesus called them, they immediately responded. How often do you and I delay our response to Jesus? How often do we hear his call and we think, you know what, Jesus, not now. I hear what you're saying. I I even believe in you, but I have things to do. You know, maybe when I get a little older, maybe when I get married or have kids, maybe when I grow up a little bit, maybe then I'll follow you, Jesus. But right now, I kind of want to do my own thing for a little bit. Yet we see in the Gospels when Jesus called his disciples, they did not wait, but immediately they left. They left. They left everything behind. They left their former way of life, and they saw that Jesus was better than anything they could possibly be devoted to. We see a picture of just how radical this was in verse 19, the sons of Zebedee, James and John. When they left, we're told that they left their father in the boat along with all of the hired servants. 
they left that quickly. This morning, what are you struggling to leave behind? When you hear the call of Jesus to come and to follow him, what is it that you want to bring along with you? In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus said, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Well, this morning, I want you to picture a farmer behind a plow. And as this farmer is pushing this plow behind an oxen, he's trying to make a straight row so that crops could be planted. And as a farmer is pushing this plow, if he looks back, what happens? He begins to veer and drift, and suddenly the rows become crooked. This is what Jesus is saying. If God has called you to follow Jesus into the kingdom of God, when you look back, your path will become crooked. If there's anything you're holding on to, any lowercase k king or lowercase k kingdom that you are still trying to build other than seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, Jesus says you're not fit for the kingdom. Jesus calls you as the King of kings and Lord of lords to come and to follow him. Will you answer the call? The third and final thing this morning that we see in the gospel of Mark is that Jesus calls us to his mission. What does following Jesus really look like? And why did the disciples leave everything so quickly in order to follow the call? Verse 17, Jesus said to his disciples, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Now Mark and the other gospel writers tell us that the first disciples of Jesus were fishermen. And Jesus calls them to become fishers of men. I think it's an intentional play on words. You see, I think what Jesus is wanting us to see is that when he calls us, he is calling us to see everything that we do in light of the calling that he's placed on our lives. What that means for you and me this morning is that whatever it is God has called you to do in your work, your work matters. Whatever way he has gifted you this morning, whatever job he has appointed you to, or even if you have lost your job this morning, what you do matters. Why? Because you've been called by Jesus Christ. What that means this morning is that if you are a mother, it means that your daily and tireless task of motherhood is not just about being a mom and making sure your kids survive. It's about seeing that Jesus has called you to follow him and to make disciples of your children. And that changes everything. What it means for you this morning, if you are in the business world, is that God has called you to more than making deals. He's called you to work with grace and kindness, with great value and ethics, that everything you do would be to extend the kingdom to every corner of the marketplace. What it means for you this morning is that whatever your occupation 
wherever God has placed you, however he has gifted you, that he has called you to fulfill his cultural mandate, to fulfill the earth, to subdue it, to have dominion over all things for the glory of God. What it meant for these disciples is that not only were they going to be fishermen and catch fish, but Jesus called them to be fishers of men and to catch people. Now, this is much more than a, a play on words. And I think it's actually much more than just a unique call to these first four disciples. You see, because when Jesus called these first four disciples to be fishers of men, he was actually referencing a long line of scripture in the Old Testament. You see, the prophets spoke of fishers of men being one day sent out by God. The prophet Jeremiah put it this way, Jeremiah 16, 16. Behold, God says, I am sending for many fishers, declares the Lord, and they shall catch them. Verse 18, but first I will doubly replay their iniquity and their sin because they have polluted my land with the carcasses of their detestable idols. Now, why do I read that for us this morning? Because what I want you to see is that the call to become fishers of men originally in the Old Testament was the call to be sent out by God to go and collect God's people, to bring them back from their idols for God's judgment. And so when God calls you and I to join in his mission to be fishers of men, he is calling us to go out into the world and to bring his people back from their worthless things, to turn away from their sin, to repent from their idols, except now the judgment will not fall on them, but it will fall on his son, Jesus Christ. For Jesus to call us to become fishers of men is to join in his mission. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And he has called you and I not only to faith, not only to follow him, but to fulfill our daily calling by joining him in that mission. To catch people, to tell them that the kingdom of God is here, that Jesus Christ is coming again to judge the living and the dead, and all those who place their faith in Jesus Christ, that judgment will fall on him at the cross. And in his death and resurrection, you will have everlasting life. And so this morning I ask you, do you hear the call of Jesus? If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, do you hear his call of faith, a proclamation, an announcement that the good news has come, that Jesus Christ died and rose again for you? Repent and believe in his name. Do you hear his call to follow him, to personally pursue him as he pursues you? Do you hear his call to see that everything that you do, 
every hour that you work, every part of your occupation finds its place in God's great call to save the world through his son, Jesus Christ. Do you hear his call? He's calling you by name. Will you respond and will you follow him? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for calling us as your people, for calling us to faith by your grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus, for calling us into relationship to follow you. And now we are thankful that as your church, as the people of God, you've called us to your mission. We're thankful for every occupation, every vocation represented in our congregation, every gift, every appointment, every hour that we spend throughout our day. We pray by your grace that we would subdue the earth, that we would be more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us, and that we would boldly go as those who've been sent out on mission to tell the world that Jesus Christ died and rose again. May we believe that. May we proclaim it in all that we do and all that we say in Jesus' name. Amen.